and you. Amen. And uh, I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. And uh, I want to ask you, if you will, this morning, go to Acts chapter number 13. And then we'll read a portion in Acts chapter number 1 as well. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to, given to me by Pastor Malcolm to preach today. My name is Travis Sharp. I'm the director of Unsheltered International, which is one of our church's missionary outreach organizations or programs or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's my thrill and honor to be here this morning. And today I want to read some verses and I want to preach on the subject of missions today. And we have the big potato sale today too, amen? Are you ready for a potato? I know I am, praise God. Uh, I then uh, heard that they were wonderful. Hey, before I read my uh, passages, you can go ahead and have a seat if you will. And uh, I want to show you uh, a few pictures from this past weekend in Cincinnati, Ohio. Preacher Malcolm asked me to show these pictures. Our ministry, Unsheltered International, does seven outreaches per year for the homeless and uh, people in need in different cities here in the U.S. We call them resource clinics. And this past weekend, we were in Cincinnati, Ohio, and God gave us our biggest event of the year. We gave away hygiene products. That's the picture that you see there. The next picture, you can see that we uh, gave away tons of clothing. Over 240 people, I believe, were able to, to leave our event with clothing. We had doctors and nurses on staff, treated over 28 people for medical conditions, and eight people... For heat exhaustion, it was 96 degrees. We were on an asphalt parking lot. And a lot of the people that come to our events are people that uh, they don't have money just to go buy waters. They're living on the street, very desperate. And uh, people were coming to the event almost with heat exhaustion, but our doctors were there. We had a, a great children's area where we were able to uh, attract over 200 kids that came and face painting and all that stuff. And uh, this next picture, we always give away free haircuts. And I think over 60 people that can't afford to even get their haircut, we were able to help them with that and many other resources. But here's why we did it all. This is the pastor of Revived City Church, Pastor Kirk Kirkland. And we, we do all those things because, yes, it helps people and it's a real uh, tangible blessing. But it also brings a crowd of people together under the gospel tent where the pastor of that local church can address them and preach to them. We had four people saved. And then this next picture shows uh, one of the church members there just bowing and praying with a man, leading him to Christ. And so it was a great event. And, of course, uh, our church helps with that and um, uh, in the outreaches. And so it was such an honor and such a blessing to bring help and hope to over 600 people this past Saturday. Praise God. And uh, I hope you'll pray for us. We have four more left this year in different cities, and we're excited to be serving as God has given us the opportunity. Acts chapter 13, I want to read you these verses. Let me see. The scripture says, verses 1 through 4, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, 
as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4 says, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now I want you to take and look at Acts chapter number 1, and we will read what hopefully is a very familiar passage, and that's verse number 8. It says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and under the, unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want to have a word of prayer and then speak to you about mission essentials. Mission essentials. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity to be here today and to preach your word. And I just ask you, God, to, to cleanse my heart and fill me again with your power and with your spirit. Lord, I'm, I'm here in need of grace and in need of help. And I pray you'd strengthen me. But most of all, get glory for yourself and allow us to hear and to learn from your word. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. A preacher asked me if I would preach a, a message this morning about missions. And I was so glad that he asked me uh, to preach that because this is one subject that I am absolutely passionate about. I'm passionate about sharing the salvation that God has given unto me and proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I hope that you are as well. And I tell you, um, uh, Pastor Malcolm Carter Sr. is the one that led me to Christ in 1994. And for the first year and a half of my Christian life, he was my main mentor uh, and also our Pastor Malcolm as well at that time. But Malcolm Sr. was my pastor. And I can remember him uh, telling me in the weeks after I got saved that Travis... Your whole life will change because of this. He, he told me that everything, the, the way you view life, the way you see yourself, the way you see other people, it will all change. And i got to tell you, he was absolutely right. Because it's not within me to love other people. It's not within me and my flesh to care about the eternal home and the eternal destiny of complete strangers that I may never even meet. But there's something, and I know you can uh, witness to this, there's something special about the grace of God when He forgives us 
then we, it's almost like automatic, we want the world to have what we now have. And missions, in a nutshell, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Amen? And this morning, I want to give you this. Every one of us can understand our church missions program. Our church has a great missions program. We call it uh, Faith Promise Missions. And that's how we uh, exercise going to the uttermost parts of the world through our prayer, through our finances, and through sending and supporting missionaries so that we can do our part to ensure the gospel message goes to the regions beyond. And it's so important that we grasp our missions program and what it's about. So I want to give you three essentials that are, uh, to our church missions program, and I hope they'll be a blessing to you. Number one, essential number one, I want you to see the foundation, the foundation of a missions program. Uh, To put it simply, a missions program within the context of a local church has to have a solid foundation. How many of you uh, watch those those TV shows about remodeling houses and all that kind of stuff? Probably the whole world watches them because there's at least a million of them on TV. I was watching one a while back because I was being forced to by April. I think is why I was watching it, uh, but I can't lie, I, I enjoy some of them, and, and they were like getting into this remodel project, and they had already told the, 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 the new homeowners how much it would cost, and everything was budgeted out, but when they began to tear the, the siding off and, and, and around the bottom of the house, they discovered that the foundation on one side of the house had completely crumbled, and you know, there's always got to be something to keep you to come back after the commercial. (laughs) So the whole deal was about, oh, no. Oh, we're going to have to tell Sally and Jim that it's going to cost an extra $30,000 to fix the foundation. And so after the commercial, sure enough, they came back, and here's what they said. They said, we're sorry, but we can't do anything else until we fix the foundation. And obviously, you can't build upon a crumbling foundation. And you know, uh, that's why I'm so thankful for Pastor Jeff Robertson and what he's built in the missions and outreach program here in Temple because it's built upon a solid foundation. In other words, this is the why of our whole missions program, the why we do missions. If we're not convinced of the why... We simply, we won't be committed to it. Let me give you this. There's a biblical mandate for missions. A biblical mandate. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Go ye therefore. Go ye. Go you. 
Go all of us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And folks, those are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And his words give us a wonderful biblical mandate that tell us the why, why we should be concerned with going in the area of missions. He said to go to preach, to baptize, and disciple. In other words, spread the good news and make disciples out of every nation. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I just uh, uh, read to you. And the Bible says, after the power of the Holy Ghost come upon the early church apostles, he said, then ye shall be witnesses unto me. And folks, that was a one-time thing where the Holy Spirit came and indwelt those believers. But you and I, when we get saved by the grace of God, at that moment, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. So in other words, we have the same power living within us that was given in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. We have the power. We have the indwelling. We need to add the going. Amen? Amen. So there's a biblical mandate. And also, there's a biblical model to missions. A biblical model. And this is part of the foundation. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, there's a very significant word. And it's the word both. Jesus said... And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The word both simply means at the same time. At the same time. We need involvement at home. That's Jerusalem and all Judea. And then we also need to be involved abroad. That is Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Both at the same time. I guess if there's one thing that, 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 that bothers me the most is, 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 is so many Christians have this misconception that missionary work is like relatable to foreign aid. And people will say, I don't know why we're sending missionaries overseas. We we have enough problems here at home. I'll tell you why. Because foreign aid that our government sends has nothing to do with God's global missionary work. The money that we collect and send goes into the hands of missionaries that have a burning passion to preach and teach and make disciples and plant churches. It's not part of our government's money. Somebody says, well, we've got lost people at home. Absolutely. That's why Temple has a missions and outreach program. Outreach at home, missions abroad. Say amen right there. 
Involvement at home and involvement abroad, both at the same time. Say, do we need to spend money here in Coleman? Absolutely. And praise God, this church does. Do we need to spend money overseas in the, in the furthest regions beyond? Absolutely. And this church does both at the same time. Say amen. amen. We have a biblical mandate and a biblical model that forms the foundation for our missions program. Folks, I want you to know, giving unto missions and sending missionaries and going to the regions beyond is not a good idea that a pastor somewhere dreamed up. It's the commandment of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ Plain and simple in the Word of God. When I got saved, I was 18, and I was what I, I thought I was a pretty normal teenager. I hope uh, I was. Uh, but, but I thought, you know, praise God, I'm saved, and I uh, got that over with. I thought, and I think I've told you this before, I thought, man, now God will leave me alone. <laughs> Literally. I, I'd heard people talking about making peace with God. I thought, well, I'm, I've made peace. He's happy with me. I'm pretty happy with him. So I get on with my life. I made the mistake of hanging around Malcolm Sr. too much. And, and it seemed like every message he preached was, was about being a preacher. At least that's what I heard. And, and going and doing and giving and, and witnessing and going soul winning. And then I made the mistake of hanging around our pastor, Pastor Malcolm, too much. Because every time I looked at him, I just wanted to be like he was. He was the coolest dude I knew. I mean, not only could he fish, could he hunt, could he do all that, but also he didn't cuss a whole lot. Notice I said not a whole lot. I'm kidding. He'll kill me. Strike that from the record. He was literally, I think two years older than me, maybe two and a half years old, but he was literally one of the only guys that age that I knew that was passionate about God. And after I got saved and God began to work in my heart and hearing the preaching of senior and watching the life of Pastor Malcolm, wasn't long before I thought, I want to do what he does because it, it makes a lot of sense. I don't, want to, I don't want to continue how I was. And God began to work in my heart. And before long, I had surrendered to the call to preach. And before I knew it, God was asking me to be a missionary. And here's my point. Them men from the Bible laid a good foundation. And folks, we have a reason to get involved. We have a good foundation. Notice the second essential. Not only the foundation of our missions program, but I want you to see the focus of our missions program. Now, if you have been to any other churches or whatever, you'll know that every a church does missions different. Some of them don't do missions at all. Some of them only do home missions. Some of them only do four. I mean, there's, there's a million ways, but every church needs a focus in their missions program. This is the what? 
Foundation is the why. This is the what of the missions program. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, God instructed the disciples to become witnesses to the whole earth. They received this promise of power in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And these instructions tell us that our focus should be global, not just local. Because God is a global God. I've been studying in 2 Kings uh, in my devotions lately. And the other day I was in 2 Kings chapter 17. And there was a king, uh, Manasseh or somebody, I can't, I can't really remember his name offhand. But, but anyway, when Israel had rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and set up other gods, God allowed Israel to be carried away into Syri- uh, Assyrian captivity. And when uh, uh, the Assyrians carried Israel away, uh, they filled Samaria with Syrian people. Which is, by the way, why that in, you hear a lot of people talking about Samaria have, has half uh, Jews and, and half Gentile people like an interbred. That's where that happened. And that's why it was so crazy for Jesus to talk to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. But anyway, when, when, when they, they took over in Israel and there in, in Samaria, after a while... That it was Samaria was now filled with these pagan people. And, and, and God didn't like that. God actually sent lions, and the lions killed thousands of these people because they feared not God. And so uh, one of the leaders sent to the king of Assyria and said, Hey, you got to help us. We don't know who this God of the, of the land is. So the king sent a priest into uh, Samaria, and the priest was supposed to teach them how to worship God. And three times in that chapter, the Bible refers to the God of that land. In other words, they assumed that Jehovah God was just like any other false god, a God of only that land. But they found out real quick that was a false assumption. And they were dealing with the God of the world. And here's the thing. A lot of Christians assume that God only cares about America (laughs) because you're an American. But folks, God's not a a local God. God is a global God. Let's see how this verse, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, was put into action by the early church uh, uh, disciples. From Acts chapter 2, when they received this promise of power... Uh, Until Acts chapter 5, the whole focus of the early church was right there in Jerusalem. The disciples were obedient after Pentecost and they did go all through Jerusalem preaching the salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 when they said neither is there salvation in any other and that under there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby men must be saved. I mean they really did a fantastic job in Jerusalem and they saturated Jerusalem with this new doctrine. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, it says, Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And so that was good. So, ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. And then what about Judea and Samaria? Well, 
I heard this from Preacher Malcolm, and I love this statement that he made several months ago in our missions month. He said this. He said, God is about his business. God is about his business. He lets us in on it, but he is concerned with his purposes. So if you fast forward to Acts chapter number 8, the disciples are still in Jerusalem. They have not yet obeyed, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, to go ye into Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. God allowed persecution to come. In Acts chapter 8, you'll see that persecution begins to really come and infiltrate the church. And there was a reason for that persecution. And by the way, God always has a reason. If you're going through something today, there is a reason. And the reason was that God had to get the disciples out of Jerusalem so that they could take this gospel message to the uttermost parts of the world and they weren't going on their own. So God helped them. How did God help them? He made it very uncomfortable for them. In other words... God will accomplish His will even if He has to shake up His children to do so. At this point, Jerusalem is filled with with this doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Teaching of of the resurrection of Christ for salvation. And so now, by Acts 8, Judea and Samaria had also become saturated with the message of the gospel. So praise God, they're getting farther. But even Judea and Samaria were primarily filled with Jews. If if the apostles and the early church leaders were going to reach the whole world, they would have to change their approach and include the Gentiles, whom all of them considered to be unclean, and they didn't even want to mingle with them. So, what happened? Acts chapter 10. God had to change the heart of one very pivotal uh, pivotal player in the whole scene, and that was Peter. So, Peter, uh, 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 or God, gives this man named Cornelius a dream. And he says, there's going to be a a fellow, there's a fellow named Peter, and he's got a message for you. You need to hear the message that he has. About that same time, Peter falls uh, in, has a dream too. It falls into this trance, and he sees this sheet coming down from heaven. It had four corners, and in that sheet, there was all kinds of animals, and the Bible says four-footed beasts and creeping things. And, and God, in this dream, told Peter, Arise, Peter, kill and eat what's in there. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, I'll never eat anything unclean. And that happened three times. And God said, Peter, what I have cleansed, call that, call not thou unclean. And so God's working in Peter's heart, and God is working in Cornelius' heart. Well, Cornelius, God told Peter, I'm going to send somebody for you. And sure enough, Cornelius sent some messengers over to Peter's house. And Peter's like, here I am. God's done told me something. And they said, come on. They bring Peter over to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is like, hey, do you have a message for me? Well, what happened next was so awesome. So awesome. 
after Peter refused, saying he had never eaten anything unclean, and God said not to call what he had cleansed unclean, and God has spoken to this man named Cornelius, saying to send for him. Peter came to Cornelius' house and told him the vision, and here's what Peter concluded. Peter concluded that God wanted the gospel also to be preached and received by the Gentiles. That was the whole point of that thing. So Peter preached Christ unto all those Gentile people. And what happened to the Jews in chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost happened to the Gentiles in chapter number 10. They also received the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, Peter found out that God loved the whole world. Amen? Not just the Jews at this point. But when the church at Jerusalem heard this, you would think they would rejoice and say, Praise God! But they were mad. Why? They were still stuck in Old Testament traditions. They were literally upset that the Gentiles had gotten saved by the grace of God. So Peter had to go back to Jerusalem and explain the whole deal to the leaders of the church at Jerusalem how God had said it was okay for the Gentiles to be saved and that God had accepted the Gentiles. And when they realized that, they all rejoiced. In the grace of God. You know what? Some of us need to realize that as well. We need to realize that that being saved isn't all about us. We need to realize that the gospel is for us, but it's not just for us. We need to realize that there's people in Tanzania where Pastor Jeff is leading the missions team uh, just in a couple months to go and work uh, among people, that God loves those folks in Tanzania as much as He loves me or you or anybody in your family. We need to realize that God is a global God. For God so loves the world. Amen. Amen. So from Acts chapter 1 until Acts chapter 12, the center of activity in Jerusalem was Jerusalem. And the central figure was Peter. In other words, this new Christian church movement had had an epicenter and it was Jerusalem. And the central kind of figure was Peter. But after Acts chapter 13... The center of activity, the epicenter shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch in Syria. And there was a new leader that emerged. And that was the great missionary, the Apostle Paul. And this is important to know this. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21, that is where the gospel got into Antioch. Because the disciples were scattered abroad after the persecution. Why did I say all that? Why all that history? Because after Acts chapter 13, when God called Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, they began the greatest movement that's ever been on the face of earth. And that is the New Testament missionary movement. And folks, you and I, are part of that same New Testament church. And it's our job to continue 
what they started in Acts chapter number 13. In other words, the focus of our missions program should be taking the gospel message to the uttermost parts of the world. That's God's focus. And God's focus hasn't changed. It will change at His coming. This is coming to a close. This is not an open-ended thing. We don't have forever to preach the gospel. There is an end. It's coming to a close. There's a window of time. And guess what? Today we are living in that window. And that means we have the greatest opportunity that any generation has ever had. We have radio. We have TV. We have internet. We have apps. We have email. We have phones. We have our mouth. Amen. We have more ability than ever. We have more access than ever. We have more awareness than ever. And all of that means we have more responsibility than ever before. Amen? Let me ask you this. Can you see that the focus of our missions program should be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? And that our focus is the same focus that the early church had that God gave to them. Amen? So that's the, uh, what was number one, the foundation of our missions program. Then essential, the second essential, the uh, focus of our missions program. And then let me give you the third and last essential, the functioning of our missions program. The function of it. That is the how. How it works. How do we do that here at Temple? Well, in Acts chapter 13... Verses 1 through 4, that's where these verses that that I read come in uh, very uh, crucial. That, Acts 13, 1 through 4, is is where the church at Antioch in Syria gathered together, the elders gathered together, and under the direction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, they sent forth the first missionaries. So a missions program must function what it takes to make it happen within the context of a local church there's two things we need number one we need partners we need partners now don't check out on me yet listen to this reaching our jerusalem and our judea can be accomplished by our labor i need more than one amen on that well preacher uh, how them people at General Dynamics going to hear about Christ? Whoever we got the works there, that's how. How's the folks at Utaka going to hear about the Lord? I know we got some folks at work there. How about the people at Walmart Distribution? Oh, I mean, there's so many hundreds of them. How are they going to hear about Jesus? Whoever of you that works there? Amen? In other words, our Jerusalem and Judea should be reached with the gospel by our labor. That's that's how that that, that happened. That's the outreach part of missions and outreach. It, it, It should be reached by our soul winning, by our discipleship, by our outreach efforts. 
It's also our responsibility to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, like Tanzania, where we're sending a mission team this year. Well, how does that happen? Obviously, everybody here can't go to Tanzania. About 2025 are, but everybody can't, and we, and we understand that. So we need partners. We need missionaries. Missionaries are God-called men and women who God gives to the church as partners in their missionary endeavors. So, in order for a missions program to function, we need partners. You remember the awesome offering that you gave during, in October of last year during the missions month to plant churches? I wish I had those figures and whatever uh, to tell you how many churches that were planted. I don't know if Jeff's in here or not, but, but anyway, uh, we gave an offering that planted, I think, over 200 churches in places where there are no churches. Well, we didn't just send money to the heathen land and say, good luck. They partnered. Dustin and Preacher Malcolm and Brother Jeff ha- ha- have partnered with an awesome organization They verified everything, checked out everything, have built relationships with this organization, and then we partnered with them. We fueled them with our money so that they could carry out that work. Uh, uh, And listen, a missions program can't function without partners. In Acts chapter 13, where it says that uh, as they ministered unto the Lord, this is verse 2, and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And then in verse 3, the Bible says, so they uh, laid hands on them and sent them away. They sent them away. Saul and Barnabas became the partners of the church at Antioch. Everybody in the church at Antioch didn't go, but they sent the missionaries away. Hey, maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe, maybe God has been whispering softly to you. I understand there was one young man that surrendered to the call to preach during missions blitz. That's awesome. There may be somebody in our congregation that God's been speaking to about the call to preach or about the call to give their life in missionary service unto God. Can I encourage you? There's no greater call than the call of God. Now, here's the cool thing. If God calls you to work your job 40 hours a week and lead a small group, that's exactly the same as if God calls you to be a missionary and go to the uttermost part. You know what makes it the same? The God that did the calling. Amen. If God calls you, the, the details are, are whatever. The important thing is it was God that called. So God calls some to stay and God calls some to go. And God may be calling you today. I hope that, that God is. Because we need to be propelling missionaries through the world. So we need uh, partners, but then to make the missions program function, we need a plan. And our church has as good as a plan as I've ever seen in a missions program anywhere. And I go to a whole bunch of churches in the course of a year. So trust me, I know what I'm talking about, at least on that level. Amen? Temple has a great plan. 
A missions program is the way in which a local church uh, uh, decides to separate and send God called men to the mission field. Our plan is to be missionaries here at home and send missionaries to the uttermost parts of the earth. We can do this by surrendering ourselves and supporting others. Surrendering ourselves and supporting others. And by the way, today, uh, if you weren't planning on buying a potato, I'll do my best to guilt you into that. Amen? No, I'm kidding. That never works. But let me say this. Jeff is taking that team to Tanzania. And the money they raise by selling these potatoes is going to pay for the medicine and uh, all the needs and the doctor and the medical clinic. They're going to a place that, that, doesn't, that has just recently had a brand new church. And so they're going to set up a medical clinic. And hundreds, probably over a thousand people will come to get access to this free health care. And they're going to be preaching and soul winning and all that stuff. But they got to buy medicine. they got to rent a place to do this and all that. And they're going to do all of that so that they can help this brand new church. So that's what the potato sales are going to go to today. In other words, we have the opportunity to partner in a small way that will have a great big input, amen, or a, a great big impact. We need a plan. Our church has a plan in place to, to fulfill the Great Commission, and it's called Faith Promise Giving. Praise God for a church with a plan. But a plan doesn't work without participation. Amen. In order for the missions program to function, all of us need to participate. I've had the privilege of being in full-time missionary work for since 1999. And over the years... I've cried on more than one occasion when little children have come up to me at different churches all around and they will say, uh, 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 Mr. Sharp, here. And they'll give me a bag of change. Sometimes it's 50 cents. Sometimes it's over $100. And then I'll always want them, ask them, well, where'd you get this? What? Oh, I've been saving this all year for our missionaries. I've been, this has been in my piggy bank, and every day I pray that God will give me more change. And I also pray for you. Or, or what, just hundreds of times I've had that happen. And that proves to me that from the youngest to the eldest, we can all participate. Amen? We can all give. We can all participate. I'm going to close by telling you this, uh, this illustration. This happened to me. Just about three or four months ago, I was in a church and I was preaching and there was an older missionary uh, there and he was, uh, I think he's uh, about 80 years old. This man, I mean, he's like a hero of the faith. Been everywhere, done everything, like just a walking, talking, sure enough, been there missionary. One of them guys that when he speaks, you listen. Well, there was another man uh, that was a member of the church, and he was, in, he was really into barbecuing contests. And um, we were all three talking a little bit in the, in the fellowship hall, and the guy was, the church member was, trying, was, was telling about the barbecuing and how he's a judge and all that. And uh, the missionary was graciously listening to him and, you know, everything, and genuinely interested. 
And the guy said, well, well I, I'll show you the papers that we use and tell you how we do it. They're in the car. I'll show you them later. Well, later came, and it was right before church, about 20 minutes before church, and I was at the altar and uh, talking to the missionary, just having a conversation about missions. And, and this fellow walked up, and he had his paper about how to be a barbecue judge in his hand. And he walked up, and the missionary began to tell us these awesome missionary stories about how he's translated the Bible and printed Bibles, and I mean stuff that's just history-making. And he was telling us, well, I was like, my jaw was dropping like, oh my goodness, I, I hope I can do half of what you've done by the time I'm your age. Just half, and then we'd be good. And it was so interesting to me. Well, the, the guy with the, the other guy, you know how you can tell when someone's just waiting for you to shut up so they can tell you whatever they're going to tell you? He kept looking down at his paper and just, for like 20 minutes, wasn't really paying, everyone's like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. In other words, completely disinterested in the awesome stories of this veteran missionary. And boy, God broke my heart. And I thought, you know, he, he just doesn't really care because he's just not really into, into it. It was obvious. He just wasn't in, into missions. And then I thought, you know what? Everybody's into stuff. I get it. I, I like to cook barbecue. I ain't never judged none. Mine's been judged before, and that didn't turn out good. But, but uh, I mean, I'm into fishing. I'm into kayaking. I'm into what, the stuff I'm in. You're into stuff, too. And we all have our deals that we love to do. I know I got mine. But here's what God kind of whispered in my ear as I was watching that unfold. I thought, you know what? I'm not into missions. I'm obligated to missions. In other words, you may be here, and, and, you know, uh, going on mission trips and stuff, that, that may not be your thing. And that's okay, because if we all went, who would we preach to next week, I guess, right? So it, it's okay. But even if you're not into it, I hate to break this to you, but if you claim to be saved by the grace of God, you're obligated to missions. Because God has said so. Amen? And I want to praise God for the impact that Temple Baptist Church is making around the world. And so my point of this message is to encourage us to go further and do more and reach more people for the gospel. Amen? Amen. And to buy lots of potatoes. Praise God. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I love you so much.